you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family... Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Season with Peter Schrager. Fresh off another uh, entertaining and educational week of NFL football. I I come out of it and I just can't stop thinking about just how dominant the 49ers are. Uh, San Francisco was one of those teams last year that was very good. They went to the NFC Championship game. They lost to the Eagles after their quarterback got injured. Then we entered the offseason. They made one big move. They got Javon Hargrave. But... The huge decision was to go all in on Brock Purdy. They traded Trey Lance about 20 cents on the dollar, and they had Sam Darnold, and it wasn't even a competition. It was going to be Purdy. I was hesitant. I wasn't sure. Not so much that Purdy didn't prove it last year, but I was hesitant because he had a major elbow injury, and they were already putting all their eggs in his basket. They're like, he'll be fine for week one. All right, let's see. Uh, August. September predictions come along and I've got to make a prediction for good morning football. I've got to pick an MVP and I've got to pick my Super Bowl champions. My MVP, I went with Christian McCaffrey and there has not been a running back to win MVP since 2012. That was Adrian Peterson who came eight yards short of breaking the all-time single season rushing record. Did that off a major ACL injury. I thought McCaffrey first year in an offense that they were going to have to rely on him even more with some of the best skill position players in the world. It's going to be McCaffrey because Purdy, well, as good as Purdy is, Purdy just can't be the guy. There's just no way. He can't be the guy. He's not going to be the one that we come across uh each week and we say afterwards yeah it's guys aaron i think brock purdy might be the mvp of the league this year whoa (laughs) i'm serious he doesn't make a mistake he operates an offense that yes is loaded with stars but he operates it with such precision it is almost like he's a robot and kyle shanahan is pushing all the buttons from from the sidelines the one mistake he made he threw behind Ayuk, and it was crazy. Kyle Shanahan like started his press conference talking about the one mistake he made was he missed BA on the pass that he had in the end zone. Every other one of these, 
he connects. Uh, think about the other part of it too. You got to be a leader. You're a second year guy. You were obviously Mr. Irrelevant last year, but you've got some big personalities on that offense. You've got Debo Samuel. You've got George Kittle. You've got McCaffrey. You've got Ayuk. You've got Trent Williams at tackle. You have Kyle Shanahan, one of the most demanding coaches in the league. And to a man, they love him. So it's not just the skill. It's not just the operation and the execution. It is, it is what, what, what he brings to the table as a guy too. Like he doesn't, do the me first thing, which I think is appreciated. He knows his place in the locker room and he feeds them all the rock. And if you have any of those guys on fantasy, you're not complaining. You're happy. There's an equal share of the ball. And I think he's the MVP right now. I know everyone wants to talk about Tua and Mahomes and Josh Allen and even Mike Pick McCaffrey, but Brock Purdy is the most valuable player in the league because of what he's doing at the switch. And that's him at the quarterback position, getting everyone involved and operating it to a hundred percent efficiency rate, which leads to an interesting exercise we did on Good Morning Football on Tuesday morning. And Aaron Juan Kaufman, my lovely producer, I'm going to put you on the to the test also. Our 9 a.m. segment, we had to rank the top five teams in the league, and I tried to do something. Sometimes I, we call it like break the segment, so it's not just chalk. And I said, okay, well. The Chiefs are my number one team in the league because they're the defending Super Bowl champions and they still have really uh, only lost one game. And that game wasn't with Kelsey, wasn't with Chris Jones. And if, in a hypothetical, you were to say, for all the marbles, it's Chiefs 49ers tomorrow, who you pick? And I still can't pick against Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey. Like, I still can't go against Chris Jones and Steve Spagnuolo and what they've done. So I kind of did some word logic and some... Pre- I was making TV. I, the 49ers are the better team right now. 49ers are steamrolling everybody. But here was the task. And Aaron, I almost wish I gave you some time to prepare. The task was list the top five 49ers on the roster right now. The top five 49ers? I mean, I feel like we could do an offensive and defensive list. List the top five 49ers. So I want you to take some time right now, Aaron, and everyone at home listening too. Think about all the 49ers players right now this season. Rank them five through one. Take a second. All right, Aaron, reveal them five through one like we're doing Letterman's uh, late, late show stuff. And it's the top five from the home, from the, from the home box office in Sioux City, Iowa. Is that what it was? Is that where it was? Sioux City, Iowa? Is that where it was? It might have been. Um, do me a top five 49ers players this season. Go. This season, so far yeah. through five games. Yeah. Number five, anchoring the left side of the line, I'm going to go with Trent Williams. Okay. I think the we've talked about positionless players and how important it is that there are so many different weapons on offense. You also have to make sure that there's enough time and that, that Purdy can react and, and get the ball to any number of players who I have ranked higher. (laughs) Number four, I'm going to go with Debo and this one, I don't want to give away too much of the list, but there were two players here, Debo and Ayuk, and I just couldn't figure out who to pick. I think Debo Seem Debo like has these monster games when Ayuk is not there, but when they're both there, I feel like I mean I don't know I'm maybe a little biased where this this weekend, you know they they make the play to Ayuk, and uh, penalty negates it, and then they get it to Debo, and it's okay cool yep. like we didn't get one we got the other. I I didn't think I would do this, but number three I have Purdy. Um, and maybe this is again like you just waxed poetic on Purdy, so I'm influenced. But he is, 
he's doing throws that Jimmy didn't do. And he, yes. he is, he has some processing he's doing at the line and you're telling, he's not just saying, okay, here's read one, go. Um, and he, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to go so far as to say he's the MVP, but he's doing so much better. And I, I will admit, like, I remember early on in the year, I think we were doing our guesses for Super Bowl and playoffs and you had guessed 49ers. And I almost made a joke like, oh, and Sam Darnold will be starting yeah, for them? Yeah, of course. No, he will one. not be starting for them. Uh, two, I'm going to have Bosa because okay. I, I can't just have offensive players because the defense is destructive. And, like, you can't – I mean, we watched the Cowboys who have amazing players, and it didn't matter. Uh, and number one, I have CMC because I, I feel like he truly – uh, what was like he's had 14 straight games with touchdowns i mean he is incredible and has i mean he everyone has said this he is the perfect player in that match it's a you know like hand in glove fit uh and yeah cmc is my number one awesome list there's no wrong answers i have a completely different list oh my god okay first of all before we even begin this Neither one of our lists will have George Kittle on it. George Kittle might be the best blocking tight end in football and is the tone setter. Neither one of our lists will have Eric Armstead in this. He's one of the best defensive ends in the entire sport and is the run stopper on that defense. Neither one of our lists will have Telanoa Hufanga on this list, who was a first team all pro safety last year. Neither one of our lists will have Kyle Juszczyk on this list, who is the best all around fullback in the NFL and a true Swiss army knife. Neither one of our lists will have Dre Greenlaw on this list, maybe one of the best inside linebackers in the entire sport and a guy that has jumped his game tenfold uh, over the last two seasons. My list is as follows. Number five, my pick for MVP less than five minutes ago is number five on the best 49ers list. Does that make sense? <laughs> I don't know. I don't give a I'm saying Brock Purdy's number five on my list. I look around and I just think he is the ultimate operator of this offense. He is an upgrade from Trey Lance. He is an upgrade from Jimmy Garoppolo. He is an upgrade from whatever they thought Kirk Cousins might be when he's been rumored there. He's an upgrade from the Mac Jones draft rumors. He's an upgrade from Brian Hoyer. He's an upgrade from every single quarterback that has been in that system in San Francisco. He's better than Nick Mullins. Better than all these guys. This is how a Kyle Shanahan offense can run when you have a robot running it. And I say that jokingly, but like George Kittle called him a robot. And anyone you talk to is like, it's imagine you have someone that shares the same brain with Kyle Shanahan and he's only getting better week to week, but he's not in the top four for best players on that on that team. Number four, I think, is a guy who might win Defensive Player of the Year and had a showcase game on Sunday night. Fred Warner wasn't on your list. Yeah, he was probably six, yeah. Fred Warner's unbelievable. Um, you can go off on, you know, Zaire Franklin in, in Indianapolis or Quincy Williams in the Jets or it's all these different, like, there's no better linebacker right now than Fred Warner. The guy is unbelievable. He's all over the field. He calls the defense. He's on the run plays. He's on the passing plays. He intercepts passes off tips. Go back and watch that interception he had off the deflection. He's on a totally different side of the ball. The play is called hike. The pass comes to the other hash mark. The guy's hit. He immediately leaves his man, which he's covering, and then has enough wherewithal to scoop it up. And he plays with a cool ferocity and is like the play caller. Fred Warner is my number four. Number three, I went Bosa. Um, didn't have a training camp. 
was holding out and you could see he's getting better and better every week. He's unstoppable on the defensive line. And it's just unfair that they have all these players. Number two and number one, I'll break it down as this. I had McCaffrey as the MVP before this season. I had McCaffrey, uh, you know, breaking all these records and he's doing it. He's doing everything. And yet he's not the second best 49er this, this season. He's not, he's not the best 49er this season. He's number two. Trent Williams just erases people. Trent Williams might be the best player in football. And here is what is wild about it. Trent Williams was in the same draft class as Oklahoma teammates, Sam Bradford and Gerald McCoy. Sam Bradford is going to be eligible for like Hall of Fame voting next year. And Gerald McCoy is on NFL Network and has been out of the league for a few seasons now. And Trent Williams is getting better. Trent Williams was traded for essentially nothing from Washington. They have draft picks that have, have, I'm sure someone can hit me up on Twitter and be like, they actually got this guy in the sixth round. Trent Williams might be the best player in football this season. Micah Parsons was invisible on Sunday. I thought Trent Williams blocked his ass off in the week beforehand when they played the Rams and those guys had no pressure on Brock Purdy or two weeks ago when they played the Rams, whatever it was, week two. Trent Williams uh, is sensational. The Giants could not get any pressure and he also sets the tone. He's the scariest guy in the league also. So you and I had very different one through fives. We left off five guys. Like I didn't have Debo Samuel on my top five and I think he might be the most fun player in the league to watch. Neither of us had Ayuk. Neither of us yeah. had Ayuk, who could be an all-pro wide receiver this year, and is putting up those types of numbers. So all of this to say, yeah, the Niners are pretty good. And my defense of Brock Purdy, because the argument could go, well, how's your MVP if he's your fifth guy on the list? And how is he your MVP if he's got all those weapons? Guys, Tom Brady had a bunch of great weapons when he broke all those records in 2007. And Peyton Manning had awesome receivers in Indy and in Denver and awesome running backs. Like, it's not a shame and it shouldn't be held against somebody if you've got great talent around you. Who is the player that maximizes the most? Who is the most valuable piece to that offense? Who is the one that gets the best out of those guys? And it's Brock Purdy. In, in closing on this monologue, the Niners have beaten opponents by an average of 20 points a game. That is insane. They are 5-0, and and I don't think this locomotive is stopping anytime soon. Circle this date, Aaron. December 3rd. December 3rd, the Eagles play the 49ers in an afternoon game on Fox. And I don't know. I don't like to fast forward my life. I don't like to not appreciate every single week. But I can't imagine a more anticipated game right now than Eagles Niners, December 3rd. Let's get there. All right. I always have a story from my weekend prior. I'm living a pretty fun 2023 NFL season. And as I said last week on the podcast, it's the season with Peter Schrager. But in a lot of ways, it could also be the season of Peter Schrager. And if you're nauseated by me and my self stories, and let me tell you my journal, I understand. Fast forward to the interview. Uh, But I had a pretty cool Saturday night, as I seem to find myself having of late, as I work with Fox on the weekends and get to fly out to LA and be with a lot of the star-studded talent who are on the morning shows uh, on Fox on Sundays. And this week's Peter Schrager story is about one Rob Gronkowski. Fly out to LA, have a lunch with uh, my producer, Bill Richards, who is the... I guess you'd say the maestro of both Fox NFL kickoff, but also Fox NFL Sunday. And then I get a text as I'm wrapping up with Bill and it's, it's Gronk. And Gronk says, what are you up to tonight? And I immediately look at my, my, uh, my phone and I'm like, it's four o'clock and Arizona is playing USC in Los Angeles. And I'm like, oh, 
Gronk's going to invite me to come to the Coliseum to go watch Arizona USC. And I'm going to be a guest of Gronk. And I'd already had Jed Fish on the podcast. And I want to see Caleb Williams. But the game is late. It starts at 7.30. I got to break it to Gronk that I'm not going to be able to go to the game because I got to be up super early and I've got to do the news and notes. And gosh, if Saquon's not playing, I need to be the one to report it first, which I was. Um, I got to do all that stuff and I got to be up early. So I'm going to have to tell Gronk, no, I can't hang out. This is going to suck. Right back. Going to take it easy tonight. Uh, probably get dinner and watch some college football and some baseball in the room. To which Gronk writes back, where are you going to dinner? I write back to him, Oh, you're not going to Arizona USC? To which Gronk, who is going in their college football hall of fame and is the greatest Arizona player to ever, you know, play in the NFL, responds, Oh, is Arizona playing USC tonight? <laughs> Great. Great. Yes, they are, Gronk. And I love you for not being like up all night, like charting, like how you're gonna want to. That's the life of Gronk. He lives it day by day and he just knows what he needs to know. And yeah, oh cool. All right. So I say, dude, I have no dinner plans. Why don't we get dinner? Gronk and I have a dinner date at 5.30 in the evening, early oh, bird special. My favorite dinner time. <laughs> oh, there's a New York Times trend piece that like 5.30 and 6 o'clock is the new dinner time for everyone. Post-pandemic, everyone's like, get me out of the house. I'm ready to go. Let's just have an early night. Um, Gronk is down and I'm like, all right, where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And there's a fancy uh, Mediterranean spot right across from our hotel called Avra. There's an Avra in New York City. There's an Avra in LA. I actually think there's a couple Avras in New York City and it's Mediterranean and it's like one of these places where they have the fish in the case on ice and you can like pick out the fish. And I, you know, I, I don't do, I don't go out very often during the week. We have two kids at home. I'm, I'm like, you know what? Maybe we'll, maybe we'll split a little bit. And, you know, if I'm being honest, Gronk's probably going to pick up the tab and I'll just pretend and do like the pretend for the wallet. Like, you know, Gronk doesn't need my money. If he wants to go out to dinner, I'm not going to tell him no. All right. So that's all in the back of my head, but it is one of those spots where it's like, you got to wear pants, got to wear shoes. My shoes, I mean, sneakers are fine and probably a shirt with sleeves. So I lay it out to Gronk. I'm like, here are our options. We can go in the hotel downstairs, whatever. Across the street is this place, Avra, that's super fancy, but you know, we can wear whatever. They're not going to turn us away. Or we can go anywhere you want in LA, Gronk. The world is your oyster. As long as I'm back in the hotel by seven or eight and I can get in bed, we're good. Gronk goes, let's go to the fancy Mediterranean place. Let's go to Avra. I go, great. Aaron, you better believe I write Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, a 34-year-old man, the greatest tight end to ever play the game. I write him a very explicit text. You have to wear sleeves. <laughs> can't wear mesh basketball shorts. We have to wear shoes. And it's very expensive. So I don't want you thinking like, what the hell? You brought me to this place. He's, Gronk goes, we could be healthy? I go, yes. He goes, great. Because Gronk is a health nut. Yeah. Like, that's what he wants. Let me tell you, I have been out with Hollywood celebrities. I've been out with NFL Pro Football Hall of Famers. I've had lunches with Troy Aikman. I've had dinners with Michael Strahan. I have never had an experience quite like going out in public with Rob Gronkowski. And what do you mean by that? Is he the class clown and the, the guy that's... That no, he's quiet, but he's six foot seven and he's gronk. So the second you leave the hotel, I'm talking tourists from Europe, 
tourists from Asia, Americans, natives of LA. He can't walk two steps with people not freaking out. That's Gronk from TV. That's Gronk from the commercials. And I did not envy him. You know, I think there was some celebrity event or some award show going on near us or something in our hotel. So there was paparazzi outside. I immediately fall back. The paparazzi, whatever, but there's also autograph seekers. And the paparazzi didn't bother us. The autograph seekers jumped to Gronk. They're like, Gronk, 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 Gronk. And I watched him because I was like, how does he handle this? Um, he says, one autograph a person, uh, you know, let's be quick. Let's get, but he's so kind and so nice to these guys that could be vultures if they're autograph people. Like, you don't know if they're putting that immediately online. And there were many kids that immediately come up to Gronk and they want a photo. And Gronk took photos with all of them. Then we walked about two blocks to the hotel, from our hotel to this this Avra, this this restaurant. And as we're walking, it's like just what you know, like it's like a like a swarm of bees. Because like once <laughs> one person sees that the next person wants, and it's women and it's kids, and I'm like, this kind of, this has to suck every time he leaves the hotel, every time he goes out in public, and like this is Los Angeles, this isn't even Boston. Yeah, yeah. So. He's kind to all of them. We sit down. I'm like, I'm sorry about that, man. We could take a car. And he's like, no, it's good to get out, whatever. And he said, you just got to kind of, you know, give the boundaries and say, just, I'll do one autograph, one picture. I'm not doing a ton, you know, whatever. We sit, we have a great dinner. I mean, we're talking for me as a student of the game and the history of the game, this is like, this is the kind of stuff where it's like, all right, if we're going to do an auction, I would bet a lot of, I would put a lot of money down to have a dinner with Rob Gronkowski. We go through Brady, we go through Belichick. He's empty in the bag on what it was like coming out of college and joining that Patriots team that had already won championships. And then they didn't win at first. And then like the quest to get him. Then we go to Tampa. We're talking it all. I am so in love with this person. And you know, he's a podcast guest and he was sweet as can be, but like, he is a genuinely great heart and a great dude. And we have our dinner and Gronk, which I loved, ordered salmon and a steak for his dinner. I'm like, this guy's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. He had sleeves on, he had uh, pants on, he wore shoes that had his toes covered. I was blown away. Gronk. We're having the best time. Check comes. I pull out my credit card. I'm ready to go. And Gronk does, as I would imagine, you know, but the waiter says, your dinner has been taken care of by a gentleman at the bar. To which I immediately say, oh my God, that's awesome. That is so cool. That happens? And Gronk's reaction is an audible sigh. <sighs> like, what do you mean? Uh, he goes, with that come something. He's like, the money is not an issue. I could buy my own dinner, but now we've got to go over to the bar and I don't know what to, what that entails. And that means I'm taking selfies and I'm filming birthday videos for Clarence at home. And I'm also buying this guy a shot and it's an extra 30 minutes. And I'm like, God, the burden of being Gronk, like this is real. So we're wrapping up dinner and I'm like, do you not want to even go by the bar? Do you want to just He's like, well, the bill was taken care of. So Gronk, to his credit, I guess I'll give his out. Like, I don't think he'd mind me saying this. Like, he takes care of the waiter in a very handsome way. And I'm like, all right, that's class. I like that. And as we're walking, I'm like, let's go by the bar and at least find out. We walk by the bar. Nobody raises their hand. Nobody says a word. Instead, the bartender points to a gentleman, probably in his 40s or 50s, at the end of the bar and just points at him. And Gronk kind of comes over and he's like, all right, he's ready to do the pictures. And the guy says... 
hey, thanks for the lifetime of amazing memories. I'm a Patriots fan. It's the least I can do. Oh, wow. And that was the entire interaction. And Gronk was like, no, thank you. That was a really nice gesture. And then Gronk goes, do you want a picture or something? The guy's like, sure, I'll take a picture with you. Takes a picture with the guy. The guy's father was there with him. Takes a picture with that with the father. And we were on our way. And I'm like, what a badass story. And what a badass the guy at the bar is. Like, yeah. What a cool gesture. So I assume like that is the dream scenario if you're an athlete and having an interaction with a fan. We never got the guy's name. We don't know if he's from Boston or Atterboro or from you name it, uh, you know, Fairfield, Connecticut. I have no idea. But thanks for the lifetime of memories. It's the least I can do. Aaron, is not that the coolest story you've heard? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I, in my head, I also kind of was, as you're telling the story, I'm like, uh-oh, like someone paid for it. That means something, just like Gronk said. And uh, instead, this is like a Pixar movie. I'm like tearing up that the guy was just like, no, this is just like a, a thank you. It was so fun to watch you. And like, that's amazing. I love that. Great story, right? Uh, more stories like that to come. If you listen to the season with Peter Schrager, you get these amazing bangers. I will also add this, the following Sunday morning, uh, I'm there for Fox NFL kickoff. We have a great show. It's me, it's Edelman, it's Carissa, it's uh, it's Woodson, it's Vic, whatever. It's great. We're having a blast. It's it's an awesome show. We kick butt. The Fox NFL Sunday show is after that. And you know that's the heavy hitters. It's Howie, it's Terry, uh, it's Strahan, it's Glazer, it's Kurt. But the baseball guys were there too because they're doing their World Series coverage. So because the baseball studio show was on that night. You had Big Poppy, David Ortiz, Alex Rodriguez, and Derek Jeter. And usually I keep to myself, I'm not trying. They were like, why don't we get all the groups together and take a photo? And as we're waiting in the bullpen, no pun intended, to take a photo, they're just like, everyone just go over there. It's me and Edelman just talking about the show we just had. It's we're and Jeter just slides in, and I had a five-minute conversation with Julian Edelman, with Derek Jeter, and can I tell you, he's cool as shit also. <laughs> he's the man! So here I am, and I grew up in New Jersey in the 90s, and you know, I was in college in the early 2000s. Like, They won three World Series in four years. I know exactly where I was when Jeter hit the home run in November. Uh, I knew exactly where I was when Jeter did the backhanded flip against the Oakland A's. Grew up a Yankee fan. Jeter was one of the core four. I didn't geek out to him. I tried to play it pretty cool. But uh, between Gronk and Jeter, I flew home. I was on cloud nine. I'm like, yeah, they say you don't want to meet your your heroes. Both those guys. And Gronk's probably 10 years younger than me. But both those guys, just great dudes. And uh, was really excited to have those interactions. Interactions. All right. Now, on to our guest. I love football. I also have one weak spot. I'm not an X's and O's guy. I try to be. I like to think I am, but I didn't play high school football. I didn't coach high school football. And I certainly am not one of these tape grinders who can do the all 22 and sit in a lab for 12 hours and break down, uh, you know, why this fullback is better than the next. Now, fortunately, there are a lot of players in that game and there are a lot of really talented young players in that game. Guys on social media who crank out all 22 clips and break down why this offense is more innovative this year than last, why this play caller is truly an innovator and why these players 
are so special. You go on Twitter on a Monday morning after the All-22 is released, and there is just a flurry of great clips and cut-ups. And there might be no better operator of one of these feeds than Ted Wynn. Who is Ted Wynn? I didn't know. I had to have him on my podcast. He's our guest this week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. Like that, see that. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he ain't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. So typically on this podcast, we try to bring on uh, general managers. We bring on coaches, head coaches, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators. We bring on actors who are fans. We bring on musicians who are fans. We bring on media folks. And then every so often, I'm like, who? I want to get to know that that guy or that girl. I, I follow them on social media. They're really smart and I I want to learn more about them. And in this case, this is how this, this week's guest came to be on the season with Peter Schrager. I've been following Ted Wynn stuff for a while. He is a staff writer at The Athletic, but in recent years, he starts doing these cut-ups on social media of the best plays of the week and how things happen using all 22 film, which the NFL releases after the games on Sunday. I find his stuff incredibly educational. And I'm also, I marvel at how fast he can turn these things around. And his passion and love for cool offense and cool defense is obvious if you follow him uh, anywhere on social media or you read his stuff in The Athletic. So with no further ado, the man himself, Ted Wynn, thank you for joining me on on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Longtime fan. You know, watched you on, on TV for a long time. So it's kind of cool and surreal uh, being able to talk to you. 
Yeah, look, I, I do a segment on Good Morning Football called Cool Plays, bro. And I would be lying if I don't often go to your feed and say, okay, does my stuff align with Ted's? Because a lot of times I'm getting stuff from different teams and different viewers on Twitter saying, hey, there's a segment for uh, the show. It's all about the best play designs and the best cool plays. Like, you got to include this one. And then if I put my list together and I'm missing something, a lot of times I'll say, well, what's Ted got? Uh, how do you do it so rapidly? How do you have that stuff up? Because I got to say, we're recording this on a Tuesday morning and already you've posted like 40 clips from Sunday's games. Uh, give me your daily process and how you digest this film so quickly and you're able to put it up on social media to share it with your many viewers and listeners and followers. Yeah, well, you know, the process starts on Sunday. I, uh, I finally got Sunday ticket this year now. I, I don't know how I live without it. So I'm just like <laughs> switching furiously between game, you know, the big matchups every week and uh, or whatever you know, whatever game has my, the most fantasy players I have playing on it. Uh, so on Sundays, I write a quick um, roundtable about uh, just with my the other writers on the athletic about what's going around, going on around the league. And then on Monday, when all 22 comes out in the morning, I'm just like, you know, just trying to watch as much as I can, going through as many games as I can, just so I could put together an article that I, a column that I have out every Tuesday morning about three coaching decisions that I like or three coaching decisions that I didn't like. And then Tuesday, I'm watching a little bit more, and sometimes I'll write another article um, that comes out a little later in the week. Like uh, this last week, we, uh, me and Jordan Rodriguez uh, teamed up to write about Sean McVay's next iteration of his offense, which uh, I thought was pretty interesting. And the rest of the days, I'm just trying to catch up on uh, the rest of the games and creating content for uh, social media. Yeah, so I grew up on the show Edge NFL Matchup, and that was on ESPN, filmed at NFL Films in Mount Laurel. Mm -hmm. And for years, it was originally Jaworski, I think, and then it was Sal Powell was involved, and then they went through an iteration with Matt Bowen was involved. And like year after year, it was Sterling Sharp. It was all these guys. And it was the only place that they would do film breakdown and film study. And I wasn't that guy. I didn't play high school football. I didn't coach high school football. And yet I would devour it. Merrill Hodge, all these guys. And they would say, well, here's how this happened. And it was almost like a, a biology class. Like here, here is how you get that famous play that you love, or here is how this player was so open. Yourself, did you play high school football? Did you coach high school football? Because the way you speak and know all the terminology, I have to think you are uh, beyond just a fan of the game, that you actually live and breathe this stuff too. Yeah, so I, I played. I actually played uh, quarterback in high school, but I played quarterback in a, a triple option offense. So I was basically another running back. We, we threw the ball maybe five times a game. So throwing yes. the ball was kind of like a trick play for us. But, you know, playing an option, you learn a lot about blocking angles. Do you, you know, you learn about how to set up the next play and, and things like that. And uh, after high school, I knew I wasn't good enough to play college, but my coach asked me to come back and help coach uh, football. So I, I coach high school football for a long time. And I, I think that really helps me in um, explaining some of these concepts because, you know, like try explaining you know, blocking rules for power to a you know fifteen year old freshman. So I have to try to do it as simply as possible. And I think that's what people like from my articles or work that I will you know try to really break down these complex uh, concepts. But I think I, I do it in a way that's digestible for everyone. Yeah, and so let's go through it. So from you're at where you're at UC Davis. Is that where you were in college? Yeah, I went to I went to UC Davis um, and. But I coached high school. I, I 
Yeah, yeah. So you're at UC Davis. While you're mm-hmm. at UC Davis, you go and you're also coaching a high school team. Yes. So I'm also coaching a high school team, and it it was uh it you know it was a long drive to get to the team <laughs> after classes in college. So it it was a lot of work, but I I love doing it, and you know I got to get to know some of the coaches at UC Davis, and they helped me out with learning a little bit more of the game and, and scheming and that, that kind of thing. And after Davis, I wanted to be a high school teacher because uh, I, I loved coaching football. So I got my teaching credential. I went into coaching um, and I loved it. But to be honest, I really did not like the teaching aspect of it. You know, like yeah. teaching, teaching PE is hard nowadays. Like kids just don't want to run sometimes. And it's just, I just <laughs> felt like pulling teeth. Um, and while I was coaching, I, I had a blog I was doing for fun. And then I was doing a blog about the Raiders. Um, my, my friends encouraged me to do it because they, they wanted to hear my thoughts on it. And the blog just kind of grew and grew. And I, I got a lot more viewers than I thought I would. And then, um, you know, my follower count started going up on Twitter. And actually, actually while I was coaching and teaching, I, I found out I had stomach cancer, actually. Oh so, God. yeah, so I had to go get my stomach removed so I don't have a stomach, believe it or not. But everything's fine. I'm, like, totally healthy now. Uh, but that really kind of inspired me to pivot to a different career. And from I kind of retired from teaching, and I just went to sports journalism full time. And uh, I, I just put everything into my blog. And then The Athletic called me one day and decided to hire me and um, I was on a contract job for about a year just covering the Raiders and Niners and when they both didn't make the playoffs um, I decided I was going to write about some of the playoff teams and that year the Eagles played the Vikings I wrote an article about them and one of the Vikings coaches actually contacted the athletic and said it was the most accurate article he's ever read and that got me the um, the full-time job at The Athletic, and I've been doing it ever since. So you saw that Tory Smith flea flicker from Nick Foles, and you said, <laughs> okay, let me explain how that went down and why Kyle Rudolph's game-starting touchdown meant nothing wow, in the memory. grand scheme of things. <laughs> um, yeah, I remember everything. Dude, your story's inspiring. So you're the head coach eventually at Mount Eden High School football while you're also a student trying to become a teacher. And while that's also going on, you're writing a blog and doing Raiders analysis for your blog for your, do you understand? Like I get emails and I get, you know, texts and all these, Hey, can you meet with my friend's son? He, he's a college junior at Syracuse or he's a, you know, he's a college freshman. He wants to do what you do. Ted, I hear your story still at undergrad, then in grad school, trying to get a full-time job as a teacher, but also on the side, coaching high school football and also doing a blog. That is as inspiring as it gets to saying, yeah, you know what? It's not going to ever be handed to you. You have to go and chase it. And eventually you get that call from The Athletic. Who was that call from and how did they find you? So it's an interesting story. It was from uh, Jimmy Durkin, who was, who's still an editor at The Athletic, and um, Shiel Kapadia, who works at The Ringer now, was one of the first hires at the athletic and he he's been following me he was following me on twitter for a while at the time and uh when he got hired he got asked who they think they should hire and you know, i was on his um list list of people that you know he thought that did you, i know shield very well did you know him personally or he was just I a didn't. fan from afar i didn't i didn't know him at all that's yeah, social he, media that's amazing to me mm-hmm. he did, he was just following me on twitter but we never talked and um yeah he gave me a really big recommendation uh, with the athletic and uh, me and Shield are good friends now, but at the time we, we we didn't say one word to each other, and um, he he was one of the main reasons I got hired. 
Oh, I love this story. Okay, so then you go from someone who's got an interest to then you're now suddenly maybe critiquing some of these teams. And I would imagine whether it's John Gruden who was running the offense at the Raiders or it was Kyle Shanahan who was doing cool stuff with the Niners, they could say they don't pay attention to anything. But when you've got someone who knows their stuff and they're breaking down film, I'm sure it made waves. Uh, did it ever get to the team level you would hear back from some of the teams that maybe you were uh, being a little critical of? Yeah, I, I for sure. Um, I, I, you know, I, I don't. I don't think I could go into too, too much of my my team team interaction. But um, I, you know, I hear I hear from agents. Um, I, I've gotten to know some coaches, which is you know on a um, a text by text uh, basis, which is kind of cool. You know, I never thought I'd be in that position. You know, I kind of helped out some coaches that had had questions about other teams if they didn't have like a. a a lot of time to research something, you know, I, I might help out in, in th that situation. So it's kind of cool getting to know all these uh, coaches, you know, around the league. Um, but yeah, some, you know, sometimes when you're a little too critical, sometimes oh, yeah. you get a little text, you know, saying like, hey, you know, like I, you know, I did this yes. for this reason and that reason. So I'm watching Mike McDaniel's offense against the Giants on Sunday. I'm flying back from Los Angeles, and the game is, is on on my Sunday ticket, which amazingly works in the air as well, which I think is the greatest commercial for the thing. You could be 20,000 feet up and on go-go Wi-Fi, and it works. And out of the gates, they're running such crazy mm -hmm. and it's motion, and it's different personnel groups, and it's a fake reverse, and then it's a handoff to HM, but then Waddle's open, and it's like, when you're watching the games in real time, are you giddy as hell? Like, I cannot wait to break this down. Are you taking notes? Are you earmarking? Oh, how did that? I can't wait to see the film. And then when the film does come out, or is that what you devour? Or are you doing the broadcast copy also? And you're like, I got to be the first one to put this out on social media because if I don't, Brian Baldinger's on it. And if Brian Baldinger's <laughs> not on it, Ben Solak's on it. And if Ben Solak's not on it, someone else is on it. Like, I, I can only imagine there's a very niche group of you guys who break it down on social media and it's devoured by the fans is it a race to be the first to say hey let me show you what i saw yeah it, it is to to a certain point because you know once somebody else puts out a play then you know it you only have so many takes on on, on one play right so um it, it is a bit of a race to see you know who could get it out first and sometimes you can see things from the tv copy uh, but sometimes you can't because you know sometimes it's so zoomed into the quarterback you can't see what the secondary is doing um, that you can't really have a real take on um, the play design or how it, it unfolded until the All-22 comes out. And, you know, the All-22 comes out early on Monday and all the film grinders are up early, you know, trying to get those those clips out. So it is a bit of a uh, – I mean, it, it didn't used to be like that, you know. Like no. a few years ago, like I, me and like the, another guy was like, you know, the only guys doing this. And, and now, like, there's a lot of film analysts out there. Um, and – I think the hunger for this type of content has grown as well. What is your Twitter feed if we were to follow you on Twitter? So everyone at home who's listening to this and is not necessarily familiar with your work and say, all right, I'll give this a shot. What is the feed and spell it out? It's FB underscore film analysis. Easy as that. Mm -hmm. Football film analysis. Like exactly. that's, uh, that sounds pretty good. Unless FB has some other meaning, I would assume it's football. Uh, all right. So you're doing that on a week-to-week -week basis, but you're also becoming – sort of a tastemaker as the clips you decide to 
share with your audience are sort of becoming a trend of who is Ted into and what is it? I figured you and I would have some fun. I do my segment on NFL Network. You do yours on, on athletic and on socials. Let's have a little bit of a game where we go back and forth and we kind of share what we think as far as some of the best offenses, best plays, all that stuff. So let's go first. Let's say let's do it a draft, if you will. Most entertaining offense in the NFL, the one that you are racing to see and that you just get giddy over right now that you say, oh, that is good. That is good stuff. Which is the unit that you get so excited about? Yeah, so I I didn't want to give you a generic answer answering this, but I legitimately love watching the Indianapolis Colts. Really? Shane Steichen, too high. Let's go. Talk about it. All verts. Yeah, I I love watching offenses that don't have a – wealth of talent, but they maximize what they do have with great coaching. And I feel like Shane Steichen does an amazing job of that. I love watching Anthony Richardson play. Um, I love the pieces they have. And they're so creative with their formations, their run options, um, their RPOs, and, and the way they maximize the receiving talent they have. They, they have a decent offensive line. They don't have like an overpowering offensive line. But just the way they are able to um, even out the numbers with Anthony Richardson and his running, unfortunately, he's hurt right now. Yeah. Uh, but before he was hurt, he was actually leading the um, the league in explosive play rate. So uh, runs of 12 or more yards or passes of more than 20 yards. And I also love that he's bringing four verts back. And four verts is exactly what it sounds like. It's four receivers on four verticals. And the play was going extinct for a little while because all these defenses were playing too high and uh, keeping two safeties back. So it's hard to run four verts against those type of defenses. Uh, but Shane Steichen, you know, he's calling it a ton with Anthony Richardson. Um, obviously, you know, teams have to bring extra defender in the box to defend their run game. Uh, but Richardson's one of Bet Richardson's best throw is that seam throw. And uh, they're calling Josh it a ton Downs. of four verts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's you. You made the point. It's not like he's got Moss and Welker and Dante Stallworth out there. It's, it's you know a combination of Pittman, Pierce, and Josh Downs. These are not Hall of Fame players by any means, and yet he's making it. Now, here's my question: With that, they go to Minshew three different times already. Does the because I don't I don't follow it like you do as far as within the X's and O's. Does the offense drastically change? Is there a Minshew version of the offense, or does Minshew run the same offense that Richardson's more or less running? No, there's, there's definitely a Minshew version of the offense. You know, obviously they are going to cut down on the, the run options. They still could use their run pass option concepts a lot, but um, you know, obviously you're not going to run a, a ton of zone read or or counter bash uh, with Minshew back there, and and they're going to be a lot more pass orientated. And he does a great job of adjusting to to either quarterback. So it, it's a really fun offense to watch. And people forget Shane Steichen also um, was responsible for. Uh, Justin Herbert's rookie year, which was one of the greatest uh, quarterback rookie years that we've ever seen, too. Uh, so he, he's worked with multiple types of quarterbacks, and he's gotten the most out of them. So uh, to me, he, he's one of the most underrated offensive play callers and designers in the league. Well, now it's his unit. You know, for a while there, it was like, well, he, you know, he's in San Diego, but that's also Anthony Lynn's an offensive coach, and you don't know who's doing what. And then he's in Philly, and Sirianni's an offensive coach, so we're not sure. It's it's him now. Like this is mm-hmm. there's no hey yeah but it's him. Um, I'm gonna go McDaniel. I know that San Francisco is doing a lot of fun stuff, but like I, you tell me, does it seem even different than last year that Mike has even upped his game even more? It feels like I'm watching a CFL offense with all the pre-snap motion. Yeah, no. He, to me, he's the most creative play caller in the league. Like I, I love watching what he's doing. 
Um, I love that little short out motion that they're using now because last year they were using fly motion to get uh, Tyreek Hill into full speed and running towards the line of scrimmage. Like you said, it's kind of like the CFL, right? Like they're getting guys running full speed to line of scrimmage. But when you're getting when you're running across the center, the teams could adjust and the defenses could you know bring a safety to that side. But now that they're doing it on the same side, defenses can't adjust because they snap the ball in you know one second and. Uh, you have Tyreek Hill running full speed at you. It's really, it's a really tough thing to defend. And they're running all these crack toss plays. I've never seen an NFL offense run as many tosses as uh, they have, and they have a hundred ways to run them too. You know, uh, so it, it's it's really fun to watch, and it's the most copied offense around the league. Like if you're watching teams around the league now, they're running that same motion. They're running all this toss because of uh, what the Dolphins are doing. Uh, here's the next question. If you have one game and you have two weeks to prepare, say it's a Super Bowl, say it's just, you know, week one, and you want to get the most creative play caller or maybe the most decisive play caller out there, who is your pick? Who's, who are you going to war with? Who's going to be the guy that's going to be dialing up for you? To me, it's got to be Mike McDaniel. I mean, you know, like we talked about the, the, the motions and, and the toss, and it, I feel like they're taking all those little wacky things that San Francisco used to do sometimes and they, they've turned it into an entire offense like the way they use their personnel um they come out in 21 personnel but they'll line up an empty out of 21 personnel and they'll line up on these, these spread formations and then you never know exactly who's going to get the ball you know the, the first play of the game against the giants they had they came out in 31 personnel so that's three backs uh <laughs> one tight end one receiver and then they motion jalen waddle into the backfield they fake a run reverse to, uh, yeah <laughs> they fake a run to him and they reverse it to um, arcane for a huge gain. So it's like you never know who's going to have the ball, but at the end of the day, they're just running two back runs, but they're doing it with all this window dressing and world class speed. So it, it's really fun the way that um, they're using the, their personnel. And I just think that's just the, the Dolphin speed and McDaniel's just like a, a marriage uh, made in heaven. I'm going to go San Francisco. And I know that's like a variation of, you almost feel like ones, they're like brothers on a, on a branch because they work together for so long, but. The positionless player, the amount of times that you see Debo Samuel lined up at running back, or you see Kyle Juszczyk lined up at tight end, or you see Kittle in motion, like, I just don't know how to defend it. And it's finally all coming together. And what the Niners are doing on offense this year, they've scored 30 points in every single NFL game they've played this season. They are winning by an average of 20 points per game over opponents. And if you're saying, well, that doesn't really blame it. Think about point spreads. Think about when you see the lines every week, you never see a 20 point point spread. You never see that. It's the largest point spread I think ever in the history of a game. They're winning by that against good NFL teams and good NFL offenses and defenses. They've done that to the Steelers. They've done that to the Cowboys. I just think he's totally in his bag right now. And Purdy might be the perfect operator. Your thoughts on as someone who was in the Bay area covering Kyle since he got there, your thoughts on this version, the 2023 Niners. Yeah, I mean, it, it's Kyle is you know the originator, and uh, I, I loved I've loved watching his offenses. And like you said, they were one of the they were the first team to really do this positionless uh, football thing. And then you add uh, CMC into the mix, and he's just you know the perfect player uh, to do it because he's so good as a receiver. They'll line him up line him up on the outside, and they'll have him run sluggos and double moves, and you know you never see that from a team. And, you know, I think we, we hear a lot about coaches always talking about 
using this great running back, you know, like Bijan Robinson or something as a receiver or Jameer Gibbs as a receiver. And we, we almost never see it really come into fruition. Like we'll see it once in a while, but you, you, yeah. know, you, you don't really see an offense really make it a huge part of their offense. Uh, but with CMC and his receiving skills, Kyle takes full advantage of it. They'll line up in the slot. They line him up outside. And, and it's a huge problem for defenses to try to match up with it. And now they have Brock Purdy, who's just kind of the perfect operator, point guard for this type of offense. Um, and, and it's extremely hard to stop. Okay, a couple before we move on to the defensive side of the ball. Um a lot of fire Matt Canada stuff out there. Uh, I know you follow all this stuff and you're not looking to fire Matt Canada necessarily, but when you see an offense that just can't get going like his in Pittsburgh, and then at the end, Pickett does figure it out. Do you blame the offensive coordinator? What do you see when you watch Pittsburgh's offense that is just sputtering and yet still finding a way to get W's? Yeah, to me, that offense is one of the offenses in the league that's underachieving. I feel like they should be more productive with the talent they have. Um, on that offense and when I'm watching Matt Canada sometimes I do feel like his game plans aren't tailored specifically enough against defenses you're seeing we're seeing too many of the same concepts over and over again uh, like in week one when they were going against the Niners they run kind of this old school shallow cross concept um, that Kenny Pickett actually you know really likes since college and I understand that to put in concepts that your quarterbacks like, but then when you're running that concept against Fred Warner, which is, you know, that's the, the Mike linebackers who's designed to stress. That's not a guy you want to be picking on. And they ran it eight times against the Niners and each time was a disastrous result. So when I keep <laughs> things like that, result. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but the, the eight times they ran, I think they only completed it once. He was sacked twice and intercepted once and almost intercepted another time. So when you see things like that, it's just, you know, it's hard not to criticize the offensive coordinator. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of Matt Canada's offense. Okay, so Matt Canada's down. Um, another offense that's being questioned right now, and it's a lot of it is skill position as a team that we saw on Monday night. The Packers, they don't seem to be able to get anything going either. Your thoughts on Green Bay's offense, and is that a Matt LaFleur thing, or is that just there's not enough horses to go and do what they got to do? Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of Matt LaFleur's play calling and, and play designs, and I, I think right now Jordan Love is going through some growing pains. They have a lot of offensive line issues with guys getting hurt and going in and out of the, the lineup. Um, and, you know, Christian Watson's just coming back right now. Uh, but but Jordan Love, is, you know, he's definitely going through some growing pains. He, he's he's missing guys. He's not seeing them. Like that last play against the uh, the last interception against he the Raiders, him. he, he had, had Christian early. Watson. You know, he was he was late on it. He tried to scramble and then he tried to th- throw heave it up and it was underthrown. Uh, but that should have been a, a, a game winning touchdown. So I, I don't blame Lafleur for the the Packers uh, offensive struggles. I, I like him as a play designer, play caller. Uh, but right now they're just going through some some growing pains with their quarterback and and getting some guys back from injury. My last one, uh, you probably watched Sean Payton for 20 years and marveled at what he was doing in New Orleans. The offense hasn't been terrible in Denver, but it certainly isn't a Sean Payton offense. Uh, your thoughts on what's going on up in Denver and Sean Payton and Russell Wilson five weeks in? I, I will say um, that Russell Wilson is playing a lot better than I thought he would be just based on watching him last year. So I, I think you know, Payton was brought in to to fix that offense, and I think he has done that. He's That offense is fixed. I don't think... Uh, I don't think we're going to see Russell Wilson play to the level that he did when he was in Seattle. I think this is probably the best that they could get out of him right now. You know, he's probably not going to live up to that contract he has. 
but the, the offense they, they, they've built around him works. It's just that their defense went from a top 10 unit last year to uh, by far the worst defense in the league this year, and they're having to score you know, 30, 40 points to keep up with the, the, the other teams. So offensively, Sean Payton's done what he, he needs to do, uh, but defensively, it's just, just a total mess right now. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one contest yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding He's gonna guard. He's gonna exactly. guard. Like you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's gonna guard. And then on I'm top of that, like that, see that, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's do some more picks here. All right, so we talk about offense all the time, and that's what pays the bills on Good Morning Football, NFL Network. We talk about the quarterbacks. But gosh, you do a lot of good film breakdown on defense, too. The most underappreciated defensive player in the NFL is who, Ted Wynn? You know, I, I have to say Max Crosby. And I know Crosby had a big game on the national stage last uh, yesterday, so I, I think people appreciate him a little bit more after that. But to me, Max Crosby, a guy that should be in a running for defensive player of the year. Uh, I believe he's second right now in pressures. He, he's one of the best run-stopping um, defensive ends in the league. I think that's one aspect of his game that doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, he's able to just recognize whatever plays offenses are running at him because of his film study. And he's just relentless. He has a motor. Uh, so to me, you know, I, I think Crosby should be um, a runner-up in the defensive player of the year race. And uh, that's why I want to bring his name up here. It's great. You know, there's such a long list of these guys. I'm going to go with the guy who's local in my backyard, and he's getting a lot of love. And Jeff Ulbrich, the defensive coordinator, said he's the best linebacker in football. And Ulbrich used to coach Fred Warner. Quincy Williams for the Jets mm. is freaking awesome. Have you had a chance to watch what Quincy's been doing on a week-to-week basis? Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's one of the most physical linebackers in the league and, and that's, it's fun to watch. You know, a lot of these guys are coverage linebackers now, uh, but, but Quincy is a guy that will blow up blocks and, and, you know, hit guys. So that's a great pick. 
very rarely now is it like there's a hot defensive coordinator. We always have the hot offensive coordinator. Who's a hot defensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator you like watching game tape from on Monday mornings? Hmm. That's a good question. You know, I, I think Patrick Graham is doing a pretty good job with the Raiders right now. The, their defense has been a lot better than uh, people think. And we saw that against Green Bay last night. And there's not a ton of talent on, on the, the Raiders roster. Uh, so he, he's a good one. Uh, Brian Flores. You know, I, the Vikings defense is not great right now. And, and their, their roster is obviously very thin. But I just love watching Brian Flores' defenses because he's so aggressive and, and it's such a different uh, feel than what a lot of these other defenses are doing, which is kind of sitting back in zone, trying to stop explosive plays. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I want to see what Brian Flores could do with uh, a little bit more talent. But it's fun to watch how aggressive that defense is. I always enjoy watching Raheem Morris's Rams play because they're so young mm-hmm. and you're getting stuff from guys like Russ Yeast and Kobe Durant and Brian Young. And you said you did the article with Jordan about the Rams offense. I think the Rams defense is fascinating because they lost a slew of talent and yet they still hold opponents under 30 points. I think Raheem Morris deserves a lot of credit. No, I, I definitely agree with you. And, you know, they're doing it with two corners that they picked up off the street, you know, with the Kilo Witherspoon and, and Duke yeah. Shelley, who got cut from the Raiders uh, before before the season. So um, it's really hard to do, you know, play defense with without really great corners. And then right now the, the, the Rams are doing it. So, yeah, I, I think Morris should get a ton of credit as well. All right. A couple more questions that we could do a little draft picks for and then we'll, we'll let you go. Ted. As far as playmakers go, you mentioned McCaffrey. Who's your favorite guy to watch? Who's the fav- the most dynamic guy? And then if you were building an offense, you'd say, oh, get me that guy. We can go to work with that guy. Who's the offensive playmaker, non-quarterback, uh, that, that you cherish and that maybe on Monday mornings you quickly go and look and see what he did? Hmm. You know, I think Justin Jefferson is one of my favorite guys to watch. Just his... You know, like when you look at receivers, I like watching receivers that have deceptive body language. So... You know, their their body is telling you they're going to run one way, but then they break the other way. And Justin Jefferson is just a master at doing that. And he's so creative with the, his route running. Uh, he's a really fun guy to watch. And he just, you know, it always seems like he's beating double teams and um, he's getting, you know, 20 yard chunks at a time uh, in an offense where, you know, there's not a, a ton of talent around him. And, and guys are, you know, team, defenses are able to double team him, but he still finds a way to make plays. I find, I mean, I know I mentioned him 10 times. I like Debo still. Like, Mm -hmm. I I love watching Debo film because he plays so angry and he Mm -hmm. plays so physically for a receiver. And then they put him at running back. And I just feel like as much as we talk about positionless players and Jameer Gibbs is going to be that and, you know, McCaffrey does this and that, like, I still feel like Debo's one of one when it comes to, oh, wait, circle 19, he's going to do something crazy out there. And, oh, he's going to also lower his shoulder and do it to you. Yeah, I mean, his highlight, it's like a watching a high school high school highlight, you know, where he's just like overpowering guys at the secondary, running through guys, spinning around. Um, and I've gotten to watch him, you know, I, I've had the opportunity to watch him live a bunch of times, obviously, with uh, him being on the Niners. And it's just amazing to watch him r- run through secondaries. Like, he breaks tackles better than a lot of running backs. So I, I absolutely agree. He, he's a really fun to watch. Okay, my last question, and this one always, I have to end on a sour note. The most frustrating offense in the league, the one where you put the film on and you're like, I can't, I just can't, I can't watch all 38 snaps of the first half from the, who's the most frustrating offense that you've been watching in 2023? 
Uh, right now, it's the Atlanta Falcons, and it, it's just because I had such high expectations for them coming into the season. Uh, they have all those high draft picks, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bijan Robinson, and we know Arthur Smith is a creative uh, play caller, play designer, um, but the, the, the offense was sputtering for, in the beginning of the season, and part of it is they have some pass protection issues. Desmond Ritter uh, needs development. Um, but you know, right now their leading receiver is Johnu Smith, you know, so you, we thought they were going to do a lot more wow. with, with what they have. Uh, we thought they were going to use Bijan Robinson in a slot, like they were touting all off season. Uh, but I will have to say, I, I watched their game last week against the Texans and I was really impressed with Desmond Ritter. I mean, you know, I did not expect him to be as good as he was. Really? I know he put up big numbers and had the yeah. drive at the end, but you think he, he was good. Yeah, no, he he made some big boy throws downfield. He was aggressive. He was accurate. And it was night and day uh, between the Desmond Ritter we saw in the beginning of the season and, and this game. So um, it, it was a type of game where I thought, you know, maybe he, he might have flipped the switch. It, it wasn't just a game where he was getting lucky wide open receivers. He, he was making some legitimate reads, legitimate downfield throws. Uh, so hopefully they turn things around. But they, they were one of the most frustrating offenses to, to watch. I hate to pick on a team that's down, obviously, and now it's makes good fodder. But I tried watching that Patriots Saints game back yesterday. Yeah. I can't watch that Patriots offense. And Bill O'Brien is a smart guy. Obviously, he's got the credentials. He knows how to run an offense. Like, is that thing just DOA? Is that dead on arrival? Yeah, I mean, it's right now. I think um, Mac Jones is playing some really bad football, and I don't, I don't want to put it all on him, but. Watching that Cowboys game, um, it just seemed like after he had that that fumble, that strip sack that went for a touchdown, it completely changed his mindset. Like there was times where he had clean pockets and he would try to scramble out of it. There's time when he had open receivers, he would pass up on it, and there's protection issues, obviously, at times. And they don't have a lot of receiving talent, but it's just right now it's just a perfect storm of bad things happening. Uh, with that offense where it, it's, it, it, like you said, I think it's worse in the league right now. Yeah. Um, before we wrap, let's turn the page. I know you do a lot of draft stuff too. Have you had a chance to watch any of these college quarterbacks yet? Uh, I try not to pay too much attention to college during the season because I need at least one day I spend some with some time with my girlfriend and that, that day is Saturday. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I do catch as much Caleb Williams as I can. And one quarterback that I really like watching is uh, Michael Penix Let's Jr. Go. from Who we got? Washington. Yeah. yeah, up in Washington. So talk mm-hmm. about him because I feel like right now everyone's so zeroed in on Caleb and May, and yet there's a bunch of football people in the league who are like, why is no one talking about Penix? So give us a little something on Penix up in Washington. Yeah, so, so last year, early in the year, I had no idea who Michael Penix is was, but I, I caught a Washington game. And I was like, wow, this guy is really aggressive. He's throwing downfield. You know, his offense isn't just this little dink and dunk, bubble screen type of offense. He's running some concepts that translate into the league. And um, this year, he's kind of, you know, he has, I think, even a, um, a better offense with two receivers that are going to go early in the draft. He's, a, he's aggressive. You, you see all the downfield throws. Um, and he, he has a kind of a funky throwing motion. I, I kind of compare him to uh, Philip Rivers. You know, with a little shot put okay. uh, type of motion. Shot put, yep. yeah. But he's still really accurate and he has a really strong arm. But I love how aggressive he is and how he's always trying to attack defenses. Ted, this was awesome. I really appreciate you waking up early, especially after a Raiders game last night, a Raiders win. Uh, 
just for the viewers and listeners at home, where can we find your stuff and give us kind of the beats of your week where we know when we could check your feed, you're going to have the best stuff. Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at FB underscore film analysis. I'm always tweeting out clips throughout the week. Uh, Tuesday, I have a column on The Athletic called Cover 7. When I cover coaching decisions I like or dislike, later in the week, I have a column about um, you know, a specific team focus that I found um, interesting. And um, I have a YouTube channel with the same uh, Twitter, hand, tw- Twitter name, so you can check that out too. Well, give me one example of a decision you didn't like this week, coaching decision. A uh, coaching decision I did not like was um, just the Eagles' overall red zone offense. Um, I just think there's – Okay. Yeah, and part of it is they're missing the guy that we're talking about, Shane Steichen, um, and they're just so dependent on A.J. Brown, you know, back shoulder fades, and they, they've gotten kind of vanilla with their run game down there. So um, it, it's been a problem. They dropped from third in the league in efficiency in the red zone to 27th this year. And that's through five games. So um, I think they need to get more creative in the red zone. And that's that's something to watch out for. Bigger media question for you. I'm sorry I'm not letting you go because you're just you're, you're really good. And you're spitting out all these stats and you got all this information. Do you get frustrated? I know there's like it's easy to throw your, you know, f- do you get frustrated when you hear people talking about football on TV who you know haven't put the work in or you know don't watch these teams and are just talking about them out of their ass? Uh, sometimes, I mean, but I think getting into the media, I realize how tough this job is now and how tough it is to be on TV every day. But yeah, once in a while you hear like a take that like does not make sense at all. Uh, like Leo last week, I almost said a name, but I heard somebody talking about Mike B. Daniels offense is what like not as not being a creative one, but I was like, dude, everybody is copying this offense around the league right now. It's copying so, it. Everyone's yeah. trying so hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but I, I do understand it is tough being on TV every single day. I mean, it, it's tough doing a weekly podcast, you know. So, uh, it, you know, I understand there's not enough time for everyone to watch every single game like me. But, yeah, I mean, if you're going to have a hot take, make sure you research it. That's exactly right. No one's asking you to know every team, but if you are asked about a team and you're prepared for it, you should probably know what you're talking about. Ted, mm-hmm. uh, you know what you're talking about. Everybody, go check out Ted. Thanks for joining the season with Peter Schrager, man. I really appreciated it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Ted Wynn, Aaron, uh, high school football player turned college student who at the same time is coaching football, then starts blogging and now is one of the leaders in the space. Pretty cool story, right? Uh, yeah, I and I... Love some of his writing. I think when you let us know that he was going to be the guest this week, I was geeking out because he has an article. If anyone is looking for something to read from Ted, he obviously writes things multiple times a week, but back almost four years ago to the day, back in October of 2019, he published an article called How to Watch Football Like an Expert from the Comfort of Your Couch. And he talks about it in the interview where he was explaining this to 15-year-old freshmen, like how to block on the line. And he breaks down passing concepts, defensive looks, uh, you know, what's the difference between a bubble screen and an RPO? And he has, he explains it so well. These are things I, I didn't necessarily understand when I first found the article. And I go back to it every year to just be like, oh yeah, let me just like remind myself all these terms. Love that article, love Ted. Um, and it was really cool to hear to hear him talk about the Colts offense as being right, so exciting. Out of the gates. I know. I loved that. Yeah, he was great. 
Uh, and it's also just a story for those listeners out there who are like, I'd love to get in your business and I'd love to do it, but it's just too many barriers for entry. And there's no way, like a guy from the athletic saw his stuff and found him yeah. and there you go. Now he's a writer on the athletic and he's going to have a promising future beyond that. Uh, this week's pod was a blast to do. It's always a blast to do with you, Aaron. And of course, Jason English here from the iHeart team and uh, quick thanks to all the listeners. Last week's Jason Light podcast went absolutely bonkers. And whether it was Pat McAfee talking about it on his show or it getting to Baker himself and him commenting on it, that's the stuff we're looking for. We're trying to have some moments, trying to make you smarter, trying to give you access to guests that you wouldn't have otherwise. Um, this is uh, a joy and I love working with both of you guys on it here that are in studio with me. With that said, I have to uh, give a little Uber Eats promotion because guess what? Uber Eats is now on board. They're riding with us. How funny is that pun? The season with Peter Schrager delivering results presented by Uber Eats. It's time for delivering results presented by Uber Eats. I'm going to discuss a team or a player that delivered from this past week's games. And I do it with a, a heavy heart because he's now injured, but I loved watching Devon Achan of the Miami Dolphins yet again put on an absolute show. Uh, the fastest dude in the league, if not Tyreek Hill, it's him. And watching them against the Giants, it felt like he was playing at a different speed. A rookie who is now second in the league in rushing yards with 460 on the year. And this is a guy who I don't think anyone expected to make the immediate impact he did. I go out with a uh, with a get well soon, as we know he's going to be missing a couple weeks, got injured at the end of that game. But gosh, what a lightning rod. And he could be the true difference maker come December and January for this Miami Dolphins offense. The last thing they needed was more speed. They got it in this young man. And the rookie is healing up right now. But he is the inaugural, the first winner of the delivering results presented by Uber Eats on this podcast. And we will do it weekly through the regular season. We may extend it through the postseason. We'll see. And the days might change depending on how it all goes. But uh, Uber Eats is a new partner, and we're excited to have them. And Devon Achan, hopefully you can uh, go get some food using your, your Uber Eats, and you can tell them I was the dude who won the award on the season with Peter Schrager. The good thing is, even if he's injured, he doesn't have to go anywhere. Uber Eats Bro, can he's deliver got it. it to him. Yeah, that's the He's got it. And he can give Five stars, the whole deal. There you go. That was Delivering Results, presented by Uber Eats, where you can get almost, almost anything. It's the official on-demand delivery partner of the NFL. So order now. Aaron, on that note, let's get out of here, man. Tell your friends about the podcast if you like it. Subscribe. It helps. Uh, we'll see you next week, folks. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? 
a wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.